This morning we're coming back after a week off last week for the BB and GB enrollment, back to Fruitfulness in the Frontlines, this series that we have been running so far this autumn time. We're thinking about how we can give glory to God in all the places where He's put us, the whole of our lives in all the places where He's put us, because that's God's great desire for us that we would be people who, who live for his glory. Remember our, our memory verse? Uh, my Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. Your card? I don't know. You got a card a few weeks ago? Most of you did. If you didn't get one, have a look out in the table in the vestibule. There should be some more. Uh, that little verse is on one side of this card. Um, stick it to your fridge, carry it in your wallet and see if, if that idea is one that you could uh, memorize and meditate on, that, that God is waiting for, for fruitfulness in our lives. It's all very well saying that, learn the verse, get the idea, but, but what form does it take? How can we be fruitful? How should we hope to see fruitfulness in our lives? Well, if you were here three weeks ago when I first introduced this idea, I said that we should expect lots of different fruitfulness to come in lots of different forms. We said there are lots of different types of fruit. So the fruitfulness that gives God glory, we're expecting that to take a variety of forms too. In this series, we're using a totally uh, man-made construct uh, a sort of a rubric or a, a framework. We're calling it the six M's. And if you remember, uh, you, you've maybe seen this before in your card, uh, on the back of your card. I'll, I'll show it again on the screen now. These are six categories or six ways in which we think we, we could hope to lead fruitful lives. We're asking ourselves, how could I model godly character? How could I make good work? How could I minister grace and love? How could I mold culture? How could I be a mouthpiece for truth and justice? How could I be a messenger for the gospel? Those six things, how can I do those things on the front lines where God has put me? A couple of weeks ago, Richie got us going with M number one. We, he talked with us about modeling godly character. So this morning we're coming to number two. How do we make good work for God's glory? And we've already referenced that, haven't we, in our uh, connecting church slot as we talked about George Cadbury. I don't know about you. I just think that's an amazing story. Louise got to touch on it today with the kids, but, you know, Google George Cadbury. Uh, read, read his story. Quite staggering um, how God used him to, to give glory in his workplace. So this morning we're going to talk about how we give glory to God by doing good work. And I'm not, I need to stress this right at the outset, I'm not talking about paid work. And not exclusively anyway. I'm just talking about work. The stuff that we do. If Richie was talking about godly character, then he was talking about the people that we are, how we conduct ourselves. But what about the actual stuff that we do? Can that give glory to God? Paul seems to think that it can. Colossians chapter 3, the, the passage Edgar, Edgar read for us a moment ago. He says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. 
It is the Lord Christ your servant. Whatever you do. Not some of the stuff that you do, or the stuff that you do in church, or the stuff that you do on Sundays. Whatever you do. So, if we're going to take this seriously, we have to begin to believe that God cares whether I do my homework on time, that he cares about whether I wash the dishes in the staff kitchen or contribute to the unwashed pile, as well as the big stuff, the the overall quality of the work that I do for my employer, say. I think it sounds pretty reasonable that we should try to do our best in our workplace. I don't think many of you are going to kick back at me and say, well, that doesn't sound like something God would want us to do. But, but we maybe want to say a bit more than that. Maybe want to give it a wee bit of thought this morning. So that's exactly what we're going to do for, for these few moments this morning. We're going to think about three things. Firstly, that our work matters to God. Secondly, that our work can bring glory to God. And thirdly, that our work must be done in God's strength. Our work matters to God. Our work can give glory to God. And thirdly, it it must be done in God's strength. This idea that our work matters to God, let's let's try to tackle that very quickly. I thought, let's let's go to the place where the, the first time in the Bible that work is mentioned. It doesn't take the Bible very long to start talking about work. Genesis 1. Flick it open with me there for a couple of moments. Genesis 1. So this is the account of God creating human beings. We're not going to read the chapter. It would take a while to do that, but I'm going to point out a few crucial aspects of this. Firstly, notice that God is working. He's creating light. He's separating it from darkness. He's separating sea from sky and land from sea. He's commanding the land to produce vegetation He's creating stuff. He's working. So much so, I I think the bit that really stands out to me is chapter 2, verse 2. God finished the work he'd been doing, and so on the seventh day he rested from his work. I don't know. Does God get tired when he works? But there's something here that we recognize. God was doing stuff. This creation, so God's work, and that's the first thing just to notice. God's a worker himself. Second thing, God's work was for our benefit. Here's a question. Why doesn't God create Adam on the first day of creation? Well, it's because if he created him first, then Adam would have been in the dark and had nowhere to stand. It's not a great image. So all of God's work, which precedes the creation of human beings is all about creating an environment for human beings to flourish in. One writer I was reading gave this image. He said, God at this point is like a parent waiting for their child to be born. You know that stuff you do to get your home ready? I think it's, we only did it for the first child. I think we forgot to do it for the other two. You know, You wanted to make sure there was a room for them and a cot and there's stuff to do to get, to to make sure our home is a place where this kid can flourish. That's what God's doing here in creation. So God is a worker. He works for human flourishing. And there's a third thing about God's work. 
It's one of the most famous things, really, in Genesis 1. It's good work. It's a repeated refrain. At the end of each day of God's work that's described, God has a look at the work and he says it's good. Verse 31, he evaluates the whole project. He says, creation of the earth, creation of human beings, project evaluation. What does he say? God saw all that he had made and it was very good. So here's the thing. That's who God is. God works for human flourishing, and it's good work that he does. But God's made us in his image. He's made us to be like him, to carry on the kind of work that he does. So everything we say there in Genesis 1 gives us a sense of of the importance of work and the kind of work that we might want to do. By the way, if that all sounds like flowery theological language and ideas to you, you're already doing this. You already have this in you, this desire to do this. I've already mentioned that the parents want to have their home ready for a child to be born into it. But what about, what about any time that we create a home? We're trying to make a safe, secure place where we and our families can flourish. We, we need to work at that. And what about even when you throw a party? Anybody will know who's involved in it on a regular basis. Hospitality takes work. What we do is we, we work, we imagine, what, what can I do to create a beautiful environment for my friends as they come around this afternoon or this evening or whenever? How can I help them relax, feel at ease? How can I help them celebrate whatever it is we're celebrating? I work so that they can flourish. It's what a good manager tries to do. I read a great quotation from a manager talking about his work, and he said, I roll rocks off the runway so that others can fly. So a manager's job is to make sure that the team get to, to flourish and fulfill their potential. It's what, it's what I can do in school. If I'm a, a teenager in school and I see that there's, there's bitchiness and infighting in my class, I can, I can work to change that culture by being the one who, who gently doesn't take sides, who gently draws people back together where others are trying to create division. Our work so that others flourish. We, we, we know about this. And intuitively, we, we find ourselves trying to do it. One more thing to say about this, um, and we'll try to repeat this throughout Fruitfulness in the Frontlines, our series. This isn't about doing anything extra, anything new. If, if you've been coming along to this series and thinking, oh no, here's more stuff that I have to do, forget that. What we're talking about is living the lives that we already live for God's glory. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. In the the book that backs up this course, they tell the story of Keith, a decorator. So Keith was self-employed. He'd been working for about 25 years, changing rooms in people's houses, changing people's houses. For the first 10 or so years, he would say that he was trying to do a good job. That's what he was. I'm a decorator, I'll try to wallpaper in straight lines and I'll try to paint in the color that people ask for. I guess those are the kinds of things 
and I'll do it when I said I would do it for the price that I said I would do. I'll try to do good work. But he had no sense that God would be interested in his work. None whatsoever. And then things changed for him. He heard a talk in church, probably along the lines of this talk, and, and he began to think, well, maybe, maybe God is interested in my work. But he only sort of half got the story. So here's what he heard, and here's what he thought. God is interested in my work, so I'm going to work really, I'm going to keep working well, and I'm going to work hard so that I can earn money to give to God. So he had begun to make some connection, but he still didn't, in his heart of hearts, believe that God cared about his work just for the sake of his work. And then one day, not, not so long ago, a light bulb went on in Keith's head. And for the first time, he understood that his work was n- neither not important to God, nor was it only important to God so that he could support Christian ministry, but his work the wallpapering and the painting was important to God, and he began to see this. You see, he realized that whenever he was in that home and decorating the house for that woman, he was freeing her up to care for her husband, who was unable to to do these tasks himself. His contribution was bringing peace and shalom to that household. Whenever he was helping this other family with their disabled son, he knew that he was helping them to create the kind of home that they needed to care for that that boy. Keith was still doing the same work. He was still wallpapering and and painting, but, but he started to have a totally different mindset. He started to see that he could give glory to God And if you asked him, he'd tell you, I don't do it for the money anymore. I don't do it to earn money to give to the church. I do this for God. And it's totally transformed my life. We can be fruitful on our front lines simply by doing good work. Isn't that brilliant? Well, I I was saying to the guys um, as we prayed before the service, I think it's like a double-edged sword. It's great news to know that our ordinary lives have that kind of dignity before God. And then we think, oh, flip. My work? Really? But you don't know about my work. I don't feel that good about my work. Let's, let's fire on with this and see, see where it takes us. Our second point this morning, our work really can bring glory to God. So maybe we're beginning to believe that God cares about our work. Could it make a difference? Could our work and the way we do it make any difference? Three weeks ago, whenever I explained why we were doing this series, I I explained to you that as far as I can tell, many of us have recognized over the years that we have front lines. We've, we've started to recognize that there are places where we can live for God's glory. But I said as well that my sense is a lot of us think we're failing. We don't think we're being fruitful on our front lines because we've defined fruit simply as sharing our faith and seeing people become Christians. Nobody's become a Christian, therefore I'm not fruitful. That's kind of thinking that, that might be prevalent among us. This morning we're challenging that idea 
And we're saying that it's possible to be fruitful simply by doing good work. Our work actually can be used by God to, to bring people to him. Maybe you're not sure about that. You think that sounds a bit namby-pamby. That's trying to get us off the hook of sharing our faith with people. Well, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it, particularly the words of Jesus Christ and the teaching of Paul. What did Jesus say about our work and God's glory? Matthew chapter 5, these famous verses right at the start of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, or maybe we'll call it your good work, and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says we can glorify our Father in heaven by the stuff that we do. And if he says it, we need to start to believe it. Our work can give glory to God. What does Paul say about this? When he's writing to Titus, Titus is an apprentice of Paul's. He and Timothy were sort of sidekick junior ministers to Paul. Titus was planting a church in Crete. And whenever Paul was telling him, here's what you need to do, Titus, to plant the church on a pagan island, he says, here's what you need to teach the Christians in Crete. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them, not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted. Teach them to do good work. These employees, teach them to do good work. Why? So that in every way, they'll make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. Do you see what Paul's saying? And I think we know all this. We know this from real life. The quality of my work will determine whether I get a hearing as a representative of Jesus Christ. If I'm a Christian who goes on and on and on about Jesus, but does rubbish work and is a really bad contribution to my workplace, my words are not going to be welcome. God can't use them to bring glory to him. But if my work is this good work that, that brings flourishing not just to my boss but to my team, suddenly people do start. It can take months or years, but they start finally one or two to be keen to know what, what this is all about. Over the summer, I've seen an example that really stands out for me of, of a person doing good work that gives glory to God. You might remember our roof just above those, those wooden, uh, wooden boards there was retiled in the summertime, and the job, the job was done by uh, Charlton's uh, building contractor from Kilkeel. Here's a photo of David Charlton um, with our two daughters, uh, Sophie and Ruby. I took this photo with them. Some of you might remember seeing the tower of scaffolding up the side of the church. The guys had just finished and were just about to start dismantling the scaffolding. I was here with the girls and he said, do you want to go up on the roof? And we were like, of course we want to go on the roof. So we went up on the roof and put our hands on the brand new tiles and it was just great. We had a great time up there. It's high enough. High enough. Um, 
while I was up there, um, I had a chance to talk with David a, a little bit about what had happened. These guys had reslated our roof. And that's what you'd expect them to do because that's what we paid them to do. That's why they were here. That was their job. That was their work. But they'd done it so well. While I was up there, David showed me the brass nails. You might think, well, the reason we have had to retile our roof is because the nails that were on the roof had rusted and had allowed slates to come loose. And every time there's a big wind, a few of them fall off. And it's dangerous and, and all that. So David showed me the brass nails and he said, those nails don't rust. Those tiles will stay. While we were up there, he pointed out the painting that the men had done on the boards at the end of the gables of the roof just because they were up there and had the scaffolding already in place. And while they were on the roof, while we were on the roof together, I thanked David for the way his men had conducted himself during the time when things had gone wrong. I don't know if you remember this. Things went badly wrong for those guys on that project. They took, started to take off slates, I think, in this corner um, on a day which had been forecast to be dry, no mention of any rain, heavy rain shower. And the felt that should keep out a shower of rain, because it was so old and, and actually not fitted properly in the first place, failed. So we had black rain tipping into the, the place here. People were in here with coats on, mopping the place out. Throughout that couple of weeks that these guys were here, they worked tirelessly, not only to put the new slates on the roof, but to help us with the mess that their work was creating. They left this church, and some of you were pretty close to this, you'll know. They left, as they left, they, they hoovered the place out, they mopped the floors, they shampooed these carpets. These are building contractors, guys whose job it is to put tiles on the roof. They cleaned it to such an extent that we had to cancel a team who we had lined up to clean the place for Sunday worship. So I was on the roof there with David and I said, listen, David, thank you. Your guys have been brilliant. And do you know what he said? He said, thank you. Your church has been brilliant. He said, whenever the black rain started to fall through the roof, we were heart scared. Because we know how churches react when their sanctuary gets mucked up. We were waiting for all hell to break loose. But there wasn't a word of that. Throughout those two weeks, he, he said, all we ever got from you or your staff was, was, thanks for what you're doing. How can we work with you? How can we make this work? He said, actually, often when you're in churches, it doesn't go like that. If something goes wrong, you're treated the same or worse than you might be anywhere else. He said, I was telling the scaffolder about this. He's coming tomorrow to take down this tower, to take this scaffolding away. I was telling him about our experience and how we've been treated. He's not a Christian. He was astonished. He says it's rare 
these days to get that kind of a response whenever a job goes wrong. He said it was a powerful witness. So David Charlton and his men made good work during their time here, and it brought glory to God. It it inspired me. It put a wind in my sails just to see them at work. But our church, too, was an encouragement to him and to his team. Some of them aren't Christians. They'll be very sensitive to how they're treated by a church who are their clients. You see, folks, our work does matter to God, and it can bring great, great honor and glory to him. I've shared in a little bit of detail that story. I find that so inspiring, and I got to see it at close quarters. There are dozens of examples of people in and around this church family who are doing work that brings glory to God. A member of this church was recently flown to Istanbul by their employer because they had won a prize for the quality of the work on their project. They went there to pick up that prize. Another member of this congregation just recently was down at the waterfront to receive a presentation because the pupils that they teach had nominated them for a Best Teacher Award. Folks, it's not even all about paid work. There's other amazing stuff happening. We have a group in here on Friday mornings, the Grounds for Coffee Ministry, the men. And their work is bearing fruit to God's glory. They helped me write this sermon. They don't know that, but they did. You see, a couple of weeks ago, I I noticed I had a problem in the, the office I work in here at the church. There's a big window beside my computer. And when the sun swings around in the afternoon... It just floods the room with light, and I can't see a thing. I'm just blinded. Uh, Everything's glare. So I mentioned to the guys, listen, if I had a a wee blind, one of those office blinds that I could rotate to block out a bit of that light, that would help me to do my work. A couple of weeks later, there it is. Brilliant blind, fitted, no problem. these, These men are here every every fortnight. They're always doing stuff. I, I don't know the half of what they do. I just heard this week, over the, they do this thing where they come in and they test our security alarms. Uh, so they test our uh, fire alarm and they test our emergency lighting. They'll do that just to check that the building is safe for us to use. They were going off for the summer. The group doesn't meet over the summer. So I suppose we imagined that for three months everything would be untested and Maybe just wing it a wee bit. Maybe not quite as safe and secure. That's not what happened. The group didn't meet, but individual members of that team found their way in here over the summer, just kept coming, just to make sure that the building is safe, that everybody's secure, that this is a place where people can flourish, and it gives glory to God. I want to wrap things up for this morning very quickly. One last thing. This work that can give glory to God, it has to be done in God's strength. It's very easy to go about our daily work and never ask God to be a part of it. I do that. And I'm a minister. 
you'd think I should be asking God, but I don't. There's parts of my job that by now I've learned how to do somewhat, so I forget to ask God. Remember what Jesus said again in John 15? He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's something to think about there because actually that verse at face value doesn't work. We know a whole lot of people who do a whole lot of stuff and Jesus isn't part of their thinking. They do a whole lot of stuff and they do it very well. So it can't be that it's not possible to do anything without Jesus. A lot of people do stuff without Jesus. What does Jesus mean? Here's what he means. You can't do the thing that I'm all about apart from me. You can't be fruitful for God apart from me. You might get something done, but not, not fruitful for God. Think of the Tower of Babel for a second. If you don't know that story, you can flick it up quickly, Genesis 11. This was a really impressive building project, but we're shown in Scripture that it was, it was done despite or in, in, in contradiction to the will of God. You see, folks, we are made to do everything for God's glory. That's how we were made and why we were made. Everything we do is to have his fingerprints on it. Everything we do is to have his, his logo on it. Everything we're to do is to grow his brand, if I can use that very modern terminology. And the thing is, God doesn't put his logo on things that he's not a part of. Here's something to think about over lunch and throughout the incoming week. What might happen if I invited God into my work? Not just the tasks that I find hard, because they're the ones I invite God into, Oh, nightmare, I don't know what to do. I'll pray. No, the other stuff too. Oh, I think I do know how to do this. But I'd love it to have God's logo on it. I'd love it to be for his glory. What might happen if we really believed that he's in it all? That he wants to be in it all? That he can be in it all? and that it could be a place where he could have a lot of glory. Let's pray. Father God, we, we have maybe, if we're fortunate, had a chance to see beautiful work done in your name. We know that this work can inspire anyone who sees it, people who already know you, people who don't. Lord, we pray that you'd come and you'd meet with us, that you'd open our eyes, show us the potential that there is in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, on all the other front lines you've given us, to give glory to you simply by what we do and by how we do it. We pray that our lives increasingly would bear eloquent witness 
to the presence of your spirit in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.